because the more that they support Russia, the less they are supporting Ukraine's sovereignty, and therefore the less they are supporting the call for their own sovereignty of unifying with Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Perspectives with Nilo, a regular podcast that brings you news and views from around the world. If this is your first time checking out our podcast, you might also enjoy some of our past episodes, which are all listed on our blog site at pwnilo.com. In this episode, I'm chatting with Alex Davy, analyst and editor at Merix, the Mercator Institute for China Studies in Germany. As the world recently marked the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, increased attention is being paid to China's role and its influence on the situation. On the week of February 20th, China's top diplomat, Wang Yi, visited Europe, attended the Munich Security Conference and then travelled to Russia to meet Vladimir Putin. A few days before his arrival in Moscow, China had abstained from a UN resolution on the principles of the UN Charter and the need for peace in Ukraine. China claimed to be neutral and have talked a lot about peace, sovereignty and territorial integrity and have also put forward a 12-point peace plan, officially entitled A Position on the Political Settlement of the Ukraine Crisis. But at the same time, China have also announced that they are deepening their relations with Russia. I spoke to Alex about China's ability to broker peace, the current perception of China in Europe and the latest on Ireland's engagement with China, including Eamon Ryan's high-profile St. Patrick's Day visit to Beijing. Alex, you're very welcome to Perspectives with Nilo. There seems to be a lot of contradictions in China's behaviour. And an article written by your colleagues at Merix entitled Keeping Up Appearances, China's Support for Russia One Year Into the War describes it as pro-Russian neutrality or the Beijing straddle or a Chinese balancing act. So, Alex, can you tell us exactly what's been going on? Thanks very much, Neil. Um, so regarding uh, China's position on the war in Ukraine, um, China would can be seen as being between a rock and a hard place. Um, first of all, the Chinese don't call it uh, the war in Ukraine or Russia's invasion of Ukraine. They simply label it the Ukraine crisis. Um, so what does this mean? It means that there are, there are two positions that they need to navigate between. One is their support for uh, this idea of territorial integrity and sovereignty. So this is um, the sovereignty of all countries, uh, whether that be Ukraine or itself, and itself being key in part of this uh, position they have. The other point is um, on Russia, their neighbour where they share 4, 000, over 4,000 kilometres worth of border and a neighbour that they have been building ties with over the last 20, 30 years since the dissolution of the Soviet Union. Um, and regarding this term uh, Russian uh, or pro-Russian neutrality, it, there are a number of reasons why this has been uh, seen this way. Um, you know, we, we, we have, like you said, Wang Yi visit to Moscow, um, and now we're expecting a visit from Xi Jinping. Um, he has just been re-elected as president of um, the People's Republic of China for uh, an unprecedented third time. And it is typical after this, uh, uh, the third uh, after a new election that the president of China will visit its uh, largest neighbor, Russia, and this will also f uh, fill, uh, 
uh, fall into this discourse of Russia leaning neutrality, even though that this is a, a common practice for um, a new Chinese president. Um, so there are other um, uh, other reasons for for uh, uh, this being seen as as, as Russia leaning neutrality. Um, for example, China has aligned with Russian narratives and and has criticized the West. Um, the, uh, you also had the speech from Li Jianshu, um, who was the uh, the uh, president of the of the National People's Congress. Um, this is the legislature, the Chinese legislature, and he had. There's a recorded meeting of him saying that he uh, that China fully supported Moscow's need to secure its core interests. Um, and he had said that Russia had been cornered and was counterattacking. So for many of these reasons, we can see that this is a Russian-leaning neutrality. But there is a um, balancing act to be carried out here uh, between defending both interests of uh, sovereignty and supporting Russia. And it seems in the in the media... Um, there's been different reaction to, to this uh, plan, or uh, to give it its proper title again, this position on the political settlement of the Ukraine crisis. Uh, one commentator said that uh, China's vague plan is aimed not at actually ending the war, but at impressing the developing world and rebutting accusations that Beijing has become a silent accomplice to Moscow. That was a senior fellow at the Carnegie Endowment said that. And then I see a piece, an opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal on the 1st of March, where um, Richard Lawless, who is a US Undersecretary of Defense for Asian and Pacific Security Affairs, between 2002 and 2008, he said this compromise initiative comes to us with the attendant hustle by the Chinese propaganda machine to register an international signal that is designed to distract from the obvious, which is a continuing Chinese lean-in to support Vladimir Putin. Just kind of as as you've said, you, what, what's your impression of, of China's proposal and their ability to, to broker peace in this situation? Um, so China's ability to broker peace on the Ukraine war. Um, so we have seen this 12-point plan that has been released. Um, what uh, is interesting is that the Chinese had named it a position paper and it was taken up by uh, Western media as a peace plan. Um, so there was a heightened um, sense uh, to, to, the, to what the Chinese were doing. But unfortunately, it turned out to be a reiteration of um, long-standing points and positions on the war. Um, and the problem with that is that it lacks any concrete steps of how to enact uh, their points on, you know, how peace will will be brought to, to Ukraine. And so in this sense, it can be seen that China won't broker peace. Um, and and they're, they're trying to make assessments that considers both sides. Um, there is nothing uh, tangible about how this will be done. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, speaking of both sides, though, they, they've never sent a diplomat to Ukraine, uh, even though I've read President Zelensky has requested a meeting with China. Am I correct in that? Yes. Yeah, so um, Xi Jinping and Vladimir uh, Zelensky have not had have not had any direct contact. Um, but uh, there have been three engagements between Wang Yi and Ukrainian Foreign Minister uh, Dmitry uh, Kuleba. Um, so you're right; there is a uh, misalignment here of of um, 
contact between um, the Chinese and the Ukrainian side versus the Chinese and the Russian side. And I think that is a clear signal. Um, um, the, the, the deficit in engagements between the Ukrainians and the Chinese is, is there is a, I would say, yes, a deafening silence there. And, and it does make their point of uh, support for sovereignty and territorial integrity of Ukraine, it does somehow fall short when there is this lack of engagement. Okay, and, and, and speaking about that, I mean, this is something, especially at the Munich Security Conference, uh, we heard uh, Wang Yi talk a lot about sovereignty and territorial integrity. He, he just mentions it so many times, you can't miss it. And even though, um, you know, China fails to call Russia's war on Ukraine an invasion, how much do you think uh, China's so-called plan is a propaganda attempt at grooming for a Taiwan invasion? There is a connection here between um, uh, China's call for uh, territorial integrity and sovereignty uh, uh, of Ukraine and its own territorial sovereignty. Uh, so, so when when China is pushing this line about respecting the borders and 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 the the sovereignty of a country, they are talking about themselves. And um, at the Munich Security Conference, there was um, retired. Uh, PLA general uh, Joe Bo, uh, he speaks about this, and he, it's interesting because the Chinese often don't like this comparison between uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and China's potential invasion of Taiwan. What the Chinese do compare is Ukraine's territorial uh, integrity and sovereignty, and also China's territorial integrity and sovereignty. So when they are talking about this, they are talking about. China being, as uh, to quote Joe Bo, a not yet unified country, and so they are signalling that that you know respecting uh, Ukraine's borders is about also respecting all borders, which includes China's borders, and for China that involves Taiwan being part of their borders. Um, so that's what they're really saying when they're talking about the support, um, and that is why when China increases its support for Russia. It is undermining its own uh, talking point about support for sovereignty, because the more that they support Russia, the less they are supporting Ukraine's sovereignty, and therefore the less they are supporting their call for their own sovereignty of, of, of unifying with Taiwan. Um, and so that's where, you know, that's the crux. Okay, but they've been doing China and and the CCP ha have been doing uh, a lot to show support for Russia recently, um, like joint military exercises, uh, ongoing trade. In fact, the Merrick's article lists five items that are uh, really undermining uh, China's so-called neutral stance. Would you be able to give us a, a maybe a short summary of what those kind of five things are that that are listed in the article? Yeah. So, so yeah. Like, like we had uh, spoken about a little bit earlier, we had mentioned um, uh, the the uh, strength of Sino-Russian relations um, with Wang Yi's visit um, to to Moscow. Um, we talk about the thirteen high-level exchanges between Chinese and Russian officials since the war started. Um, and then the lack of engagement between uh, China and Ukraine, where Xi and uh, Xi Jinping and uh, Zelensky have not uh, directly engaged. The other points are, um, like you said, China's increased trade with with Russia uh, since the war began. Um, so 
Chinese imports from Russia have risen by 43% in 2022. And I think that's important to, to, to note um, because Russia has lost a lot of trading partners and sanctions have come in. And we, we don't know for sure, but with, if, if China had also followed suit uh, by, by, by stopping its trade with Russia, what kind of situation would Russia be in today? Um, that, that is important to note. Um, regarding these other points of uh, China's military exercises and strategic coordination with Russia, yes, we did see a naval exercise off the south coast of uh, South Africa with uh, the South Africans, the Russians and the Chinese. And But these military uh, and exercises and strategic coordination has been growing over many years. So it's important to note that there are these ties between China and Russia, but that they are developments over a longer period of time. Um, and, and there are alignments in Russia and China's um, um, interests, but they wouldn't be totally aligned. Um, and, and, you know, one of the greatest uh, points of alignment is their dissatisfaction with the U.S. And, 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 the, and the U.S. position in the world. And that doesn't always make for a very solid um, um, a lot, well, a partnership. Let's just say because it's 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 a shared uh, uh, interest of 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 a of a of a disapproval of 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 the international world order. But rather, it's 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 sharing something that's negative rather than sharing something that's positive um, of of what they're trying to achieve or what they're going towards. And that's why, even though we do see. Uh, these points of, 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 for example, the Ch Chinese uh, um, abstaining from a UN re resolution um, on the need for peace in Ukraine, you know, which would signal uh, some sort of Russian leaning neutrality. You know, we don't know how close this relationship is. Is it is it skin deep, or or does it go further? Um, mm -hmm. And and that's the question that we're all trying to answer still. And I guess relating to Europe's perception of all of this, um, I saw that the Chinese ambassador to the EU, Fu Kong, was quoted recently by the Global Times, which is Chinese state media. He said that EU leaders may visit China by mid-2023. I think he's referring to uh, French President Emmanuel Macron and Italian Prime Minister Giorgia Meloni. Uh, how do you think EU leaders view China's behaviour and how do you think they can rationalise continuing to have normal relations with China in light of these items you just mentioned? So the EU leaders, they have a wide variety of views on and, and relationship uh, when it comes to China. And sometimes that stands to benefit the Chinese in the sense of a diversity of, of views. Um, with regard to um, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the Western leaders of, you know, um, Schultz, Macron, Maloney, um, etc. They they would they obviously uh, stand on the side of Ukraine and are, uh, you know, trying to trying to aid the Ukraine uh, Ukraine to 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 not only um, win this war but also to have Russia. Uh, uh, leave its territory. So in that sense, when they saw the the peace plan, they were not very. Uh, there was there was not much confidence uh, um, uh, expressed from these leaders. However, on the other side, you have someone like Viktor Orban, uh, the the Hungarian leader, uh, who who's, who has come out vocally supporting it. 
and then you obviously have an ally of China or, or a strong partner of uh, uh, Lukashenko of Belarus, who has also come to support it. Um, where China usually now will, will focus is on a country somewhere like uh, like France. France um, is with under uh, Emmanuel Macron. They have a str- uh, this idea of strategic autonomy. Uh, France has been the the leader of of this idea and. The Chinese repeatedly call on uh, your, uh, the EU to to support strategic autonomy. What that will mean, however, is that yes, the EU is aware of uh, reliance on the US, especially on the war in Ukraine for for arms. But the EU is also aware of the 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 uh, implications of an economic dependence on the US. So whereas the EU is aware of its kind of its own straddle between the US and China, it will not follow a strategic autonomy that the Chinese uh, put forward, which is one that says, you know, the US is very problematic and you know what, you should trade more with us because uh, we will not interfere with you. Um, so the EU will focus on, on, on trying to maintain its autonomy, but not in the way that China prescribes it. Okay. And... You mentioned trade there. Angela Merkel was the one who believed in in change through trade. Uh, But I guess in the last year or so, we've seen the dangers of being dependent on authoritarian states like Russia via the Nord Stream pipelines for oil and gas and in the Mm -hmm. case of Germany. And also, um, uh, they've also, of course, been building trade links with China, particularly in automotive and and the chemical industry. Olaf Scholz was uh, the first foreign leader and indeed uh, EU leader to visit Xi Jinping in person after the 20th National Congress, where the Chinese leader cemented his unprecedented third term, as you mentioned earlier. Do you think uh, Germany under Olaf Scholz still believe in this change to trade concept after all that's been happening in this past few months? Well, I think um, ever since uh, the first invasion um, of Ukraine back in uh, 2014, this idea of change through trade was, uh, you know, that was the beginning of the end. It was slowly starting to peter out. Um, And I think that on uh, February 24th last year, it abruptly ended. Um, This idea was, you know, something that was held within the EU for for the last couple of decades. Um, And, you know, with Russia, it, 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 I suppose, yes, 2014, but also um, early in the 2000s, I, I believe it's around 2005, you had Vladimir Putin at the Munich Security Conference talking about um, Russia going its own way um, and regarding its own security and, and not following um, this this Western liberal-based rules order. Um, and with regard to China, um, you know, it's seen that China has has been able to um, put up a defense or a wall, uh, and and has been very much aware of this change through trade attitude um, um, put forward by the EU and the US, and and so it's something that, at the same time, was seen as morally good from the EU side or from from a European side, but also as something that was extremely lucrative, um, uh, especially for certain. Uh, businesses uh, trading um, with with the likes of Russia and China, and especially when we look at Russia with regards to, you know, energy imports, etc. So there was a both a uh, beneficial uh, profit incentive, but also a moral incentive, and 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 
you know, once the moral incentive was seen as um, no longer plausible, the profit one was seen as, you know, that can't hold much longer. Um, and, and so this has been petering out, but now uh, abruptly ended last year with the, with the full-scale invasion. Would we still see Germany, uh, again, reaching out, uh, you know, lots of pressure clearly from their automotive industry and uh, other large industries in Germany to, to trade with China. How convinced are they that, that this is no longer viable? I, I find it hard to believe that they will decouple completely. Of course, yes. There, there's no full expectation of, of a decoupling between um, uh, European member or European countries and China, and especially for Germany to decouple um, from China. Um, what now German, Germany and other um, European countries look at is what kind of dependencies uh, European countries have uh, with China. Um, how can they um, de-risk um, um, such dependencies by by uh, looking for uh, by by diversifying through looking for alternative partners, um, and also looking at the composition of trade. Uh, what are we uh, trading with Chinese, and what are they trading with us? Um, and I think that uh, when if there's if there's a, a, an element where that the, the if we're we're importing a lot of high tech products from China and we're exporting low tech products, you know that is a problematic issue of uh, there is an imbalance and there is a um, there is a leverage that the Chinese may have. So it's about trying to look to to make sure that there is not such a high dependency and looking at the economic security of of European countries, um, because something like decoupling is not realistic and it and it would it would be an uh, economic nightmare if we suddenly decided to decouple tomorrow mm-hmm. um, for for many of these economies. Deputy Prime Minister uh, and tarnished uh, Michal Martin met. Wang Yi on the sidelines of the Munich Security Conference back in February. And it was recently announced that uh, Eamon Ryan, who is the Minister for Environment, Climate, Communications and Transport, uh, is travelling to China to represent Ireland as part of the annual St. Patrick's Day celebration. So uh, my question is, what what do you make of Ireland's ongoing uh, relationship and engagement with China? So uh, Ireland's ongoing relationship with China is um, a, a something to be to be looked at at the moment for sure. And and mentioning Michal Martin's uh, uh, meeting with Wang Yi on the sidelines of the Munich Security Conference is uh, a, a very interesting and and um, uh, contemporary point to bring up. And what I found interesting about that meeting was that the Chinese side provided a meeting readout of their meeting, where the Irish side did not. Um, and, you know, Michal Martin had posted that on, on Twitter that they had met, but we don't know about what. Um, looking at the Chinese readout, um, I think the key point for the Chinese was about um, Ireland uh, not uh, interfering or not putting on any regulations on Chinese companies in Ireland. Um, there was a specific line uh, where the Chinese said, or the Chinese reader said, treat the Chinese enterprises in a fair, just and non-discriminatory manner. Um, and so that was really pointing at maybe Huawei's position in Ireland and other Chinese companies, enterprises that operate in Ireland and, and to protect them. And they were also very, and they, they were all sorry to interrupt you, they, they were also very... Uh 
Uh, quick to point out uh, that Ireland strictly adheres, or that apparently Michal Martin said, Ireland strictly adheres to the uh, One China policy. Yeah, that was also part of their yes. of the state media report. Yes, yes, um, and I think uh, it's. I think if 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 for Ireland to say that they adhere to the One China policy, I think that that is an acceptable. A message for both sides because um, it the Chinese want to to put forward their one China policy. But um, when when we say we support the one China policy, we say okay, there's one China, but we're not saying something like Taiwan is an inalienable part of this one China. Um, so it's it's very uh, it's it's not so specific that it puts uh, Michal Martin under pressure to to reiterate something that maybe he does not want to. Um, and I think for that to be included, uh, on the other side, you had the two sides also exchange views on Ukraine and other issues. And I imagine that was Michal Martin's goal uh, from that meeting to be able to talk to Wang Yi and see Ireland as somewhat as a broker or, or as a, an influencer on the side of uh, to the Chinese on, on, on what they're doing in, uh, with Russia's uh, invasion of Ukraine. Just regarding um, uh, the, the, the the Irish uh, visits on St. Patrick's Day, yes. um, uh, you had brought up this point uh, that uh, we'll have Eamon Ryan uh, visiting uh, Beijing uh, on St. Patrick's Day this year. And I think that that is interesting because, you know, for the last three years, we've had no trips uh, to China. Um, and uh, then the last one was in 2019, where then Education Minister Joe McHugh, he went to Finland and then went to China. So Eamon, have, sending someone like Eamon Ryan, who would be quite senior and, you know, the, 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 the third coalition partner uh, in the Irish government, shows that Ireland is making an effort to maintain relations. And I'm, I find that very interesting. Um, of course, we always put the US first. It's always about the bowl of shamrock at the White House and, 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 and we'll be with Biden uh, for the for shock. But the fact that we are sending uh, um, Eamon Ryan is 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 something to be noted, and and it shows that we're not um, stepping back as much as as I had expected, um, um, and and trying to maintain this relationship. So I think that's something we can watch and and see how it develops. How do you think Ireland's relationship with China differs to other EU states? Um, so Ireland has. Um, an interesting uh, relationship with China, um, and it it's different in in the sense of well, first of all, Ireland is a smaller country within the EU, um, and how we relate with China is interesting because of how we relate with the US. Um, you know, Ireland being a country that uh, seeks out foreign direct investment um, for multinational companies to set up in Ireland, and so. Ireland has tried to um, employ the same um, policy of what of, of the same way we had U.S. companies investing in Ireland, with your Googles, your Facebook, or your Pfizer's. Um, the same thing is is happening on the other side, where we have Huawei or uh, Wuxi Biologics uh, investing in Ireland. Um, what makes that very interesting is that this becomes a site of U.S.-China competition. Um, and 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 this is why we have 
uh, Wang Yi saying to to Michal Martin to treat the Chinese enterprises in a fair, just and non-discriminatory manner, because there is likely to be a competition between these between uh, um, chi Chinese and American influence in Ireland. Um, and, you know, in the past we had um, um, Vice President uh, Pence, former Vice President Pence, talking about how Ireland should be aware of Huawei and the risks that it brings to uh, to, to having uh, this telecommunications company's hardware in 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 our systems. Um, I think equally uh, looking at uh, our trade relationship. Um, so we 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 export a lot of agricultural products to China, and and China really focuses on its own food security, uh, and and tries to secure that and. Um, on one, on the one hand, it's trying to improve its uh, self-reliance uh, on, on on food security, but on the other hand, they know that they cannot fully, uh, uh, you know, be self-sufficient, and they need countries that they can depend on and rely on, and that are that are, have a strong partnership with. And Ireland has offered that, and has has been a steady uh, exporter of of um, pig meat, um, beef and lamb. China does have a focus on its food security and where it is not always self-reliant, it will need uh, partners that it can depend on to supply um, fundamental core foodstuffs, which Ireland uh, has benefited for many years. But at the same time, a lot of those numbers are dropping as China's self-reliance improves. And so this is where we look at the composition of exports between Ireland and China, and that where we are importing a lot of machinery uh, and, and probably um, machinery that is increasing in, in, in technology, while we continue to export um, agricultural products. So yes, we also export pharmaceuticals and, and medical machinery to uh, China, but at the same time, a lot of these are products that come from multinational companies uh, that are not directly, uh, that are not, would not be fully Irish. So what is fully Irish is our agricultural product and which does bring a, um, you know, that brings a, an economic uh, um, uh, advantage or, 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 or tangible outcome and, and which is why it is such a priority of the Irish government. Probably a good segue into the next question is that on February 27th, uh, Jiang Meifang, who is the Chinese Consulate General in Belfast tweeted the headline from the Chinese state media, China Daily Editorial, which said, uh, the EU should keep its distance from the US so they can work with Beijing for peace. Uh, do you think the EU will heed this warning? Or, or maybe to put it another way, do you think China's recent actions will succeed in dividing the US and the EU or bring them closer together? So um, when we look at Zhang Meifang, uh, the, the consulate general in Belfast, first of all, we have to look at uh, what her role is by posting such content online. And uh, Zhang would be a, um, a very, well, one of the most more successful Chinese diplomats in, in uh, pursuing the party line for a global audience um, in that she has a large following online. Uh, she tweets regularly and sometimes quite provocatively. Um, and, you know, for someone at a consulate in Belfast, which may not be the top diplomatic uh, position for a Chinese diplomat, it, it shows that 
she's trying to be heard and 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 it's very much uh within her best interest in her career to, to to do so regarding the message that she's sending of the eu should keep its distance from the from uh the us uh so it can work with beijing for peace i think uh the eu sees this issue but it will not deal with it in the way that china advocates um so like i had said earlier uh the eu is aware of a the 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 uh, implications of a strong economic dependence on the US uh, and, and and does understand its need to maintain strategic autonomy. But at the same time, uh, it will not do so the way the Chinese want them, what Beijing wants them to. And especially by using the word peace, it's trying to signal that, you know, by being away from the US, you can reach peace. But that's that that's a that's a, a strong assumption and, and shows that it's a loaded question that that you know uh, away from the us means peace so that means by being with the us it's not peaceful um and and that's more like a barb or 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 an underhand uh, uh, attack on the us so we've talked uh, a lot about uh, the close alliance and the and the deepening ties between china and russia and you also mentioned you know uh, other uh, dictators like, for example, Lukashenko of Belarus visiting Beijing and proclaiming his support for China. I believe also recently Iran's president, Ibrahim Rassi, visited Beijing mid-February for a three-day visit. Uh, some commentators have said that we're seeing dictators organizing in a way that's not been seen before. Do you think this is a worrying development? So I think the term... Um Dictators uh, is is an interesting one um, because I can't imagine that the uh, Chinese when they when they meet with Lukashenko, Belarus, or Razia of Iran, they're they're going to say, okay, all us dictators we're going to meet together. <laughs> um, I think the, the the Chinese will more see it as, um, uh, you know, we who are our potential partners and who are, uh, all share problems with the U.S. And they use this as a grounds for shared interest. Um, so all these nations will uh, say that they're they're all in competition with the U.S. or or they experience tension with the U.S. and and they use that as a as a common point to to meet together. Um, so I think that this is not something uh, to be particularly worried about. This is something that. Uh, they may even see themselves as the outcasts or there's oftentimes a victimhood mentality and, and that, that, that this is something to, 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 to come together. But as I said, that when there's a shared interest of a negative point of being against the US, rather than having a shared interest of what are we both for or what, what, do, we, what do we all share, it doesn't make grounds for a very solid uh, uh, partnerships. Um, um, that being said, we do have the recent um, uh, readout of, of China, Saudi Arabia and Iran, uh, some sort of peace agreement that was brokered by um, uh, the Chinese side. And this, this is something we haven't seen before. And rather than seeing this something as a worrying development uh, from, from Europe, it's, it's very interesting. And it's very something that we should watch because obviously Saudi Arabia and Iran have very tense relations and now they've agreed to reopen embassies and 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 send their diplomats to the to the other person to the other country uh within two months and 
you know, for China to have brokered this is is quite significant because the Chinese have not been so successful in doing something like this. And second of all, the U.S. is on the outside here. This is the U.S.'s uh, uh, territory or, or 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 sphere where they have operated within, and for them not to be here and not to be part of it uh, is something that's different. Now, to see if this stands or if this if this comes to to fruition and uh, is is yet to be seen because the tensions between Saudi Arabia and Iran are so high and they've had such a difficult uh, relationship over the last over the decades so it's very interesting and something to keep watching but at the same time you know we won't hold our breath yet my thanks to Alex Davy analyst and editor at Merricks for joining us on perspectives with Nilo and you can find out more about Alex's work on the Merricks website which we have linked in our blog along with some additional links and references for you to dive deeper into today's topic. You can find it all at pwnilo.com. And don't forget, you can also follow Perspectives with Nilo on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Instagram and Twitter. Well, that's it for the moment. Until the next time, thank you for listening. Slánach Spanacht. <laughs>